Good morning. My name is Stephanie. I'm a member of the Body of Christ, and I'm a member of Redemption Church. This morning, our reading is from Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called. In one body, you were called in one body, excuse me. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is God's word for us today. All right, well, good morning. So I just want to first begin by giving a warm greetings from Crossway Community Church. Uh, We have prayed for you on various Sundays. It's been Great joy of ours to watch from afar uh, how God is shaping uh, you folks here uh, up on the northwest side. So we meet in Alvernal College uh, on 43rd Street. We rent out a small theater there. But I'm a big fan of of Danny, uh, so I've enjoyed getting to know him over the years. Uh, Also good friends with Ryan Boyer, Mike Matheson down at uh, Grace Church in Racine. Uh, My wife is very sad she can't be here today. She has some obligations that she was already... uh, lined up for uh, at the service, uh, couldn't, couldn't get out of them, uh, and so, but my wife's name is Danica, so Dan and Danica, and, and then we have three uh, wonderful children, uh, Talitha, who's 13, Selah, who's 11, and Dupree, who is 6. I'm going to jump in because uh, I, was, I saw on the sheet uh, the, how to preach here that you get up to 38 minutes. So I'm going to start that clock right now, because it's a little bit, I'm used to going about 30 or 45 or so, and you just start, that's how it just comes out of you. So we're going to, we'll see, we're going to land the plane at 38, so it's, but we got, we have a doozy of a passage here this morning, as we continue these, this sort of, sort of part two of walking in the new body. It's really not a doozy in terms of, like, interpretation, it's actually quite clear, it's a doozy in terms of functionally living in it. The, the, the passage calls us to live in such a way that's so vulnerable that it will probably cause more pain in your life than you're willing to accept at first. And yet, it will take you to deeper joy and stability than you could possibly imagine. Because isn't that how most relationships work that are really strong in your life, right? I mean, just think about a marriage. Uh, we've often sa- said for our marriage, we've been married for 18 years now, and uh, we'll tell the young folks at our church, marriage is one of the most difficult things in the world and painful, but it's one of God's greatest gifts. 
I wouldn't trade it for anything. It is way more difficult than I could have imagined. Had I known going in, I might not have done it. And yet it is better than I could ever possibly have dreamed. And I would do it all over again. It's the same thing with parenting, right? I mean, you, you want to be sanctified or shown how selfish you are, have children. That will come up very quick at 2 in the morning. But what a special gift they are, are they not? God calls the church to one another ministry, to dive in, to display, to declare Christ to one another in such a way to be so close that you will be sinned against. We are sheep. And if you know, the, you know, that's the imagery used throughout Scripture, one of the ways that God describes his people, sheep. If you know anything about sheep, they're pretty foolish animals, right? Uh, they wander around and they bite. They bite each other. And that's what God calls us to as a people. Now, I, I'm guessing there's probably at least four different types of people that come into a uh, Sunday morning like this into the congregation. As you think about the church community and diving in and getting your hands uh, in, into the mess, I'm guessing there's at least four different types of people here. Uh, one would be folks that feel very comfortable sitting on the edge. Right? It's, we, we come in a, a, into this from a consumeristic culture, and we want to be consumers. We take what feels good, and we stay on the edge. We'll, we'll jump in as long as it's easy and safe, but we'll stay out on the edge for, most, for the most part. There's another person uh, that would probably be here, uh, which would be jumping in, but always frustrated with the other sheep. Very quick to point the finger and say, you're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. Oh, did you see what they did? Then there's another person that has been uh, deeply hurt by the sheep, deeply hurt by the church. And what, what ha has happened over the years is they've created some sort of a bubble. They'll allow people in, but only so far because the church hurt me. And so I, I, I'm scared to get back in. And then, Lord willing, there's also some folks that have been in the church, into the mess, and they're persevering. But all of us, regardless of how you come uh, this morning, we all need to hear this passage. Some of us need to be corrected by it. Some of us need to be encouraged by it. But we all need this very message. Uh, and I think what Paul does here is call the church to be the very aroma of Christ to one another. This is a one another uh, text here. To be the aroma of Christ. So let's walk through it. One of the difficulties with a passage like this is it's like this list of 10, 10 things that the church ought to be doing, right? And so one of the difficulties is that you start dissecting everything as, as if like this is an exhaustive list or everything has to be parsed out, which we don't want to do. Um, Paul is, is giving a, a, a picture right? It's not exhaustive. Like, just because he doesn't say respect one another doesn't mean, well, we don't have to do that. Like, he didn't say that one. 
No, he's just giving a broad picture. So we're going to kind of walk through the passage pretty quickly. Uh, we'll just brief touchly, or brief, brief touchly, briefly touch. Um, well, let's, let's just kind of walk through it here. So he starts off, put on then. Uh, so just so we, we're not going to stop this often the whole time, but put on then, we, do, we should stop at least. So you see, he, he's connecting it back to before, uh, or put on therefore. This is a response to what he's just talked about. Uh, he, if you remember the last passage, he's told us to put to death and that we've put off something. This is, this is actually a clothing imagery, the, the words that he's using here. It's the idea of changing clothes. You know, sometimes we are getting ready to go somewhere, and I'm not the most cleanly of people in terms of like, I mean, I, that sounds really bad right now. I mean, I'll like have things on my hands, and I'll just kind of like wipe it or whatever, right? I need to do better at that. But what happens, I get some, I see some, Wives looking at their husbands here. So I'm glad I don't feel alone here. Um, but my wife will be like, you can't wear that. Look, at you, it's all dirty. You got to go change that. I'm not letting you out of the house like this. It's the idea, right? Paul says, wait a second. You've been changed. You're, you're, not, the same, you're not the same people anymore. You have been made into a new body. You've put off the old self. You've put on the new self. So there are some things you just, you have to change. You have to take off anger and malice, and you have to put on something else, right? Because you have been changed, you now have a new identity. And so let's walk through it then. Put on then, as God's chosen ones, notice that's plural. This is a very body image here, that as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, and we'll come back to those, Put on compassionate hearts or hearts that care for people. When you see someone hurting, something happens in you. You start to feel the hurt, right? Weep with those who weep. It's a, it's a compassionate heart such that your heart is moved to go help the person, right? So put on a compassionate heart. Kindness or goodness. Do good, not to those who do good to you, but be at one who does good to others, to one another. Humility, or the idea of putting yourself under other people, in terms of uh, consider the interests of others as more significant than yourselves. Like, your preferences are second, or third, or let's just say last, right? What you think is best isn't always what needs to be heard. So put on humility, put on meekness, or one who is willing to take to take some hurt. You're, you're, you're willing to have someone sin against you. Not that you go look for it, but you understand this is going to happen, and you, you don't retaliate. You don't get sharp back with people. You, 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 you receive it. With great patience, he goes on then. One who is long-suffering. Bearing with one another. Now, notice he says bearing with one another. He doesn't say bearing with those who are like you or bearing with those people in the church that are easy to bear with. Because let's face it, there are people that are difficult for you to bear with. Right? We all have them, and you're probably that for other people. right? But he calls us to bear with one another, to be long-suffering, 
to not expect people to go from A to Z in a week, but it's A, B, C, back to B, C, D, E, back to B. It's this process, right? And bear with one another, not just those people you like. And uh, continuing on here, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now this verse 14, above all these, put on love. So he's just named a, num a number of virtues, how we're supposed to be interacting as one another. And then above all these, put on love. It's Again, we're in this clothing imagery. Uh, the idea is that if, if you, you put on all these clothes and then you put on this outer garment, sort of like in a few months we're going to be putting on, you know, you first put on your long sleeve shirt and then you put on a T-shirt over it. And then you put on a sweatshirt over that, and you put on the big parka, or uh, down, down, is that what it's called, the parka these days still? Uh, a big winter jacket. This is the, the love is the winter jacket that holds it all together. It's going to keep all the warmth in, right? Uh, he says, put on love, which binds it all together. Continues on then, verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Uh, verse 15 tends to often get used as a way of sort of like when somebody is subjectively thinking about a decision, like should I move here or should I move there or should I buy this car or this car or something, uh, and, and then people will use say, like the, the peace of Christ just was in my heart, so therefore I went, I, I thought it was a good decision. Uh, but again, uh, notice we're in a context of body language. This is one another. The idea in this passage is that the peace of Christ, rather than conflict ruling in the body, it's Christ's peace that rules in the body. You're going to have disagreements. But the peace of Christ which should be the judgment of going, what's going on. The referee, so to say, of making sure God's peace is among the people of God. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And so the ones before this, this has all been a lot of interaction, uh, a heart posture, receiving, uh, giving compassion, receiving uh, when, when people are uh, upset at you or whatnot, making sure that there's peace here. This, then, is actually how we speak. That we are, we are supposed to speak a message of Christ to one another. And notice again, this is one another. This is not just the pastor's job. This is the congregation, the body. To be teaching, this is the, uh, the teaching and admonishing. One, the, the, the teaching aspect is directing people which way to go. That's, that's the job of all of us here. You are to be teaching one another the words of Christ and you're supposed to be admonishing. That is correcting. When you see one of your brothers or sisters in this church going in a different direction that Christ calls you to, you are to be the people that step in and say, no, Christ teaches us to go otherwise. Right? This is what Paul says the church ought to be doing. Uh, and then notice what he says, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Uh, I understand, again, this to be like the Ephesians passage of singing psalms to one another. So we're in this one another language. In Ephesians, that's exactly how he states it, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs to one another, which is worth pausing just for a minute because we're in this individualistic culture. 
that oftentimes when we gather as a people, that's how we think of it. I'm, my singing is just between me and God. Now, I like that it's very bright in here. That's good. Uh, I, I, I'm not a fan of, of congregations when they dim the lights and it's just the people up front. And so it just feels like you're just there and it's just between you and God. It's not. Here, here he talks about it's singing psalms and spiritual songs to one another, which means, I think, a very practical way to think about this is that rather than be concerned about what I sound like, is making sure my brothers and sisters around me can hear me. Because I tell you what, some of the times when I come to the congregation, what I need most is to hear one of my brothers and sisters behind me who actually believe this stuff as well. Because we all have bad weeks. And I need to hear that they trust God because that's going to help me. I was thankful this morning. Uh, Scott was two, two pews behind me, and I could hear him. I just think, thank the Lord. I need to hear that. What's that? Yeah, well, it's great. Like, you want a visitor to come in and say, man, these people believe this stuff. They sing it from their hearts. Because one day you're going to need that on Sunday morning as well. So it's singing psalms and spiritual songs to one another. And then he closes, wraps it all up in a summary form. And whatever you do, again, in the, in the context of the community, whatever you do, in word or deed, this is a common way through the New Testament of, of word and deed, of totality of Christian life, in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father, God the Father, through him. Do everything in the name of, Jesus, of the Lord Jesus to one another. In other words, as you go to one another, be a representative of Jesus, doing it in his name, as if, as if that person receiving your ministry, they look at you and say, they are mimicking Christ right here. Which is why I sum up this whole paragraph as Paul exhorting the church to be the very aroma of Christ to one another. You know how you walk into some homes and you just go, oh, I know whose home I'm in. It just, it has a certain smell, hopefully a good smell, right? But we all know there's a smell you can smell. Oh, this is grandma's home. I can, this, this, is, this is what it smells like when I can walk into grandma's home. Or on holidays, Thanksgiving. I can, I, can, I can smell the stuffing in a turkey, right? Or, oh, it's Christmas dinner. I smell the, the evergreen and, and the, the meal. Whatever it is, this is when someone comes into Redemption Church, it should be, oh, the aroma of Christ is here. Not because I see it plastered on the wall, not because I see a couple of Bibles laying around, but because I watch and I see one another ministry happening. Because I can listen in, in homes and, and hear how people talk about their brothers and sisters across the pew. And I go, man, those people love each other because they've been changed from within to imitate Christ to one another. And is not that not what Jesus talked about? They will love you or they will know who you are as you love one another. You, you will begin to beam as people who imitate Christ. Now, that's easy to say. Uh, what does it look like on the ground? 
You know, so that was the question I was asking myself. What, what are some examples of how, how do you know if your church, as, as, you, as you being a people, are actually walking this out, are, are, are being the new body in community here? Uh, I wrote down a list of 33 things relatively quick. We won't go through all of them, uh, but I'll, I'll give you 10 quick things uh, that you can examine yourself, examine yourself individually and as a people. And say, does, does that describe us? Is it the way we treat one another? So here's some things. I think uh, to live this out, it means to, uh, when you're attending a fellowship, your eye in thinking about it is how I can go serve those people, not how I'm going to be served. Uh, our culture will twist that, right? Well, they'll say, how am I going to get served here? Uh, for example, small groups coming up Wednesday night. You've had a hard week. You're tired, and you don't feel like going. And frankly, last time you went, you didn't really get much out of it. The temptation, because you're tired, you have a long day tomorrow, is to say, it's not really worth it. They'll be fine without me. They don't need me. They don't really talk to me that much. But what if you were approaching it this way and says, you know what? Like, that's, this is not about me. This is about me being Christ to them and not thinking about what I'm getting out of this. I'm going to go serve and be Christ to them. Not, it's not, this is not a reciprocal thing. I don't only be Christ to them if they're doing it to me. I'm to be Christ to the body, and so I'm going to go. That, seems to, that would be one indicator. Or how about um, being close enough to be sinned against? By others. Has anybody sinned against you in this church in the last year? I want to say I hope so. I mean, I don't hope so, but I hope so in the sense that it would show that you're close enough to the people because they are going to sin against you. If you have not been sinned against by someone in this church, you might at least just ask, perhaps you're staying outside too much. How are you supposed to fulfill the command bearing with one another, forgiving one another, if you're not close enough that actually people sin against you? Right? The, we all know the people that sin against you the most are going to be the people that you live with, right? Your family. Right? So, so in the church, the people that we are close to will sin against us. And then are you willing to forgive them again for the same thing? Remember when Jesus is talking to his disciples to forgive and how lavish your forgiveness should be, and Peter pipes up and says, oh, I got this one. How about seven times, huh? And remember? And Jesus says, well, yeah, how about 70 times seven? I mean, we're, we're talking radical forgiveness here. That would be one indicator. Or how about uh, when the non-typical person feels just as welcomed? So this, this would be something I know we just talked about at our church as well. That, uh, th there's, a, there's a way uh, where it can be more difficult for certain people to feel welcomed here. So the question you might ask is, uh, so take, for example, at our church, uh, if somebody comes into our congregation and they're 25 or 30, you, you know, on the younger, I'm 43, so that sounds younger to me. So they're on the younger end of the scale. They have kids or they're newly married. They will probably be invited over to dinner two or three times in the first two weeks there. But if somebody comes who is maybe 75, single, 
it's going to be hard for them to be welcomed in where they're, where they're getting invited in, like to a, to a meal. And that's just reality. Those are things we need to be to watch out for. Uh, can somebody non the non typical redemption person feel like yes, I I was welcomed in here, I'm invited over just like they are. It's just something we want to ask. Or how how about um, seeking seeking to care for someone who's experienced pain? So I'm guessing over the course of the last year, there's been people in here who have experienced deep pain. They've lost a loved one whether it be a grandma, a child. Uh, they've, they've been fired from work. Uh, they've had some really hard relational things. They've had some hard diagnosis, whatever it is, that have experienced pain. And one of the things that usually happens is as the people of God, we feel like we want to care for them, but we don't know how. And so sometimes we don't say anything. And that person will increasingly feel isolated and so let me ask, did you, yourself, pursue someone this past year who was in pain? That would be a good indication that the aroma of Christ is here. It doesn't, you don't have to do anything special, by the way. Uh, you remember, Job's buddies, the, 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 best, the best of their work was at the beginning of the book when they said nothing, right? They were just there. You don't have to do much, but you do need to seek out them, to care for them. Right, a couple more. Uh, how, how about uh, you've, you, uh, loving, you lovingly correct other people? Um, we're all, we all get off at times, right? Uh, I want to be corrected, and the people of God need to correct me. So, in this past year, have you personally corrected anyone in this church with the words of Christ. That's what the text says you should be doing. Have you done that? That would be a good indication that the aroma of Christ is being experienced. Or we'll do one more here. How about being slow to bolt? Right? Bolt. Uh, I don't know. I, that, maybe people don't talk like that anymore. That was when I was younger, slow to bolt, meaning you're slow to leave. You're not always looking for something to, to, to leave the church. And we could just ask, like, how many churches have each of us been a part of in the last decade? We're, we're at a very not pretty time in the church in our country. And to what, it, what it takes for someone to leave a church, it is so minimal. I don't like this. I don't like that. They said this to me. They didn't do this for me. And we are so quick. Or it's just better over there. I mean, take for example, let's say, let's say John Piper announced that he was going to be planting a church in Milwaukee. And Matt Redman was going to be the worship leader. What do you think would happen to a lot of the churches in Milwaukee? Sadly, we'd see a lot of them shrink the very first week. Are we okay with that? We shouldn't be. Right? We want to be people that it, it takes a lot for us to walk out those doors. Now, God does that. God moves his people around. He's the great chess master, and that's okay. But let us have good Biblical reasons for that happening. Not that I just don't like this or I don't like that. They got a better youth group. They got this. 
We are to be the aroma of Christ to one another. All right, let me ask a question. How do you think the first audience then, as they heard this, how do you think they felt? How do you think maybe they responded to this, this, this part of the letter? I, I think some people were probably corrected in the church, the church in Colossae. Maybe they were corrected in a very good way, right? Do you remember earlier in the letter, some of them seem to be, they're being deluded. Uh, they're being judged by these other false teachers who say real Christianity, real spirituality is to do this festival or that festival, or eat this food and don't eat that food, treat your body like this. And the, the, these have these visions, worship angels. That's real spirituality. And you want to know what radical, radical Christian living is? It's not seeing miracles. It's not seeing visions. But getting involved in the mess of the people of God and being willing to sin, be sinned against. That is radical Christianity. This is, this is not anything glamorous. This is everyday stuff. That is is radical Christianity. So I think some in the church would be corrected by this and say, whoa, in a, in a helpful way, oh, yes, what they're saying is, is not accurate. This is real Christianity, one anothering uh, like this. Uh, two, I think some would be convicted, uh, realizing like, whoa, we're, we're, not, we're not doing that to one another. I trust that most of us should be convicted because we are selfish people. Like, Hopefully this passage does expose some of the ways that we actually do think more of ourselves than our brothers and sisters in the church. And we feel a sense of, oh, Lord, like that I'm being exposed. Like that, if that's you, that is good. That is God's grace to you to reveal to you how you do live selfishly at times. And then, Lord willing, all of us to be stirred up to actually walk in the good of this. Right? To say, okay, yes, Lord, I repent of the ways that I'm selfish. And now, Lord, I want to walk in the goodness of your commands. Because I, I think that all of God's people, uh, when we hear God's commands, there's a part of us, at least a part, that loves the command, that wants to live in the good of God's commands, right? I mean, because the idea is, uh, if, if you're a parent, you know that you give good commands to your kids, right? You're not giving commands because you don't like your children. You're giving commands because you do love your children, and so God's people, when we hear God's commands, there's something in us that says, I want to do that. Now, the big question is, how? How do we do that? What Paul does not want us to do is to say, well, okay, I'm going to do it. Pull up those bootstraps. I'm going to love people today. Because <sighs> you know how long that'll last? Maybe an hour. Maybe in the afternoon if you're good. But that gets exhausting. You don't have that kind of power. No, we need something far deeper. And this is why it's key to actually see the, the, the order of the passage. I skipped over it fast, but we need to go back to it because at the very beginning of this paragraph, you notice he says, put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. He doesn't say put on these virtues so that you become God's chosen people. 
No, that's not the order. The order is put on as those who have been chosen by God, as those people who have been made holy by God, as the people who have been forgiven by God, as the people who are beloved by God. So now go walk in it. Right? Now that's key. We have to see the order. Because it, it, it's not like this. Right? Uh, I'm not, I, I'm, I don't know anything about cars really, and I'm not really into cars, but here's an illustration about cars. Uh, if you were driving a Ford Focus, and I said, hey, you have to be able to take the Ford Focus and go from zero to 60 in under seven seconds, or else you're going to be jailed or something. All right? This would be a weird society. But for the sake of the illustration, let's go with it. Take your Ford Focus out, and in under seven seconds, go from zero to 60. Now, you'd quickly realize, like, you can't do it. It doesn't matter if you did it right at the split second of when the, the light went green. It doesn't matter if you push really hard on the gas pedal. It's not going to matter. The Ford Focus will not go zero to 60 in under seven seconds. Which means you'd probably be like, I can't do it. I, I, why even bother? I'm not even going to try. But if I said, well, hold on a second. Don't get too nervous here. I've made some adjustments, okay? It's not just a Ford Focus anymore. I put on some new tires that grip the, the ground better, so it pulls you along. I've taken out part of the exhaust, which get, allows it to go faster, and I put a supercharger in it, which gives it 30 to 50% more power, which means it will be no problem. You can go under zero to 60 in under seven seconds, right? So now all of a sudden you're gonna say, okay, sure, I'll go do that, Vroom, right? Now, the reason you're willing to do it and you have confidence to do it is simply because I'm telling you, it's been changed. It's a, new, it's a different car than you thought it was. It may look the same on the outside, but inside it's different. And so the people of God, we look the same from before conversion, after conversion. Nothing changes. In fact, we might even look worse when our hair falls out. It doesn't matter. Because internally we're different. We've been fundamentally changed. And therefore we actually can walk in the commandments. So which means when you hear commandments like this, you're not supposed to hear it as, you must be the aroma of Christ. That's not how you're supposed to hear it. It's supposed to be church. You can. You can be the aroma of Christ. Because you're different. You are the beloved of God. Let that land on you for a minute today. I mean, some of the ways that God uses, the illustration that God uses to convince us of his love for us, like the bride of Christ. I mean, what an illustration. I'm guessing you've probably been to a wedding where you see the groom standing right here in the middle of the aisle, just amazingly excited just thrilled to see his bride come. I mean, what an illustration for God to talk about his church. The beloved. Christ is crazy about his church. Or father to son. Father with children. I mean, there are times if you have children, I trust you, you won't just sit and watch them play and just go, I just love these children. I just love them. My, my daughters, uh, both of them just got into cross country for the first year. 
And, you know, I grew up playing a lot of sports, and I still play a lot of softball. Um, so you would think that being an athlete, going to watch my kids do a competitive sport for the first time, I would, I would be good at that, like being a good spectator. But what happened was, you know, as they both came running for both of them, uh, I, at separate times, I start cheering, and, and, and I'm trying to cheer them on. And I'm like, all right, come on. And I try to, to yell their name, and I started crying. Both I couldn't even get their name out. It's not because they're winning the race. It's not because they're perfect kids. But because I'm crazy. I love them. I'm proud of them. I love to watch them run. When, when they do things for me, they're, they're not perfect, but they're gifts from the heart. I delight in them. God is crazy about his church. The chosen ones. You've probably said this to your kids before. You could line up all the children from the, in the world. Line them up. And you know who I'd choose for my kids? Boom, you. And this is the way God talks about his people in Deuteronomy chapter 7, chapter 9. It's not, he says, Israel, why, why, why are you God's people? Why did God choose you? It's not because you're more than other people. It's not because you're more righteous than them. In fact, you're stiff-necked people, by the way. This is the way God talks to his people. It's because I love you. Don't add anything to that. Or the way I'll say it to, to our kids, I'll say, hey, kids, you know, you know that daddy loves you, right? I'll say, oh, yeah, we know, we know you love us, dad. Okay, yeah, that's right. So what, what could you do today uh, to make me love you less? Well, not, nothing. That's right. That's right. What could you do today to make me love you more? Well, well nothing. You, you, there's nothing we could do to make you love, love us more or less. So you're right. That's exactly right. Now, why does Daddy love you then? What's the answer? Because. That's it. Don't add to it. It's not because your behavior, because frankly, sometimes your behavior is not good. It's because. In church, you are folks who have sinned against the holy God. You deserve the judgment of God. God would be totally righteous if he wiped the whole earth clean of all sinners and he would be a good judge. And yet in his mercy, not because anything you've done or will do, God has chosen you to be his beloved who are washed by the blood of Christ to be the new people of God. And one day you will see him face to face and we will experience it in full to be before God. And brothers and sisters, that message is what's supposed to compel us into this, to say, yes, we will, we will love others with the same love that we receive from God. We will forgive because we've been forgiven so much. And we have to be people that can connect this command with the gospel and see the connection, see the, the, the gospel compels us into the command and gives us faith and power to do it.